Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the handle's Critics Pod. There you can watch the trailers, read Sean's reviews, see his Netflix vacations <laughs> <laughs> to New York and L.A., uh, and hopefully more. Not New York, necessarily, but... Uh, <clears throat> uh, and everything else, either so follow us there, tell your friends about us, like us, uh, then subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, Stitcher, all your podcatchers. Rate and review the show. We'll read your reviews on the air, and then Patreon. I hate critics. slash Patreon is the best way to support the podcast. There's also a merch tab and a PayPal tab if you want to just do a one-time donation. We're gonna hopefully start doing uh, T-shirt themes based off of something we say in the show. Did I tell you about my conversation with a certain artist, or did he tell you about it? No. <laughs> so I've been Facebook messaging him behind your back on X, because <laughs> you were busy. Yeah. And uh, what I'm thinking we're going to do is, with your approval, is kind of come up with a couple of things you say on the show. Right. Do a poll, and then uh, commission him to do an uh, a design of some sort, and then that'll be the next, you know, we'll do that every month or month and a half, and... Uh, try to get them on the show and stuff. So that nice. is something that uh, we're going to start putting polls up. Uh, but I have been getting a lot of requests for Batman versus Jesus. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I mean, it was really good. And I Googled it, and nobody's done that. That is bizarre. <laughs> I thought for sure somebody would have done Batman versus Jesus. Not necessarily for the lighthouse, which is right. obvious, but, you yeah, know. Right. It, it, we did, didn't come up when we were talking about Lighthouse because I, I don't know if I'd heard it by then, but I was listening to uh, How Did This Get Made? They were doing Body of Evidence with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and uh, have you heard about this? No, but I've seen the movie. Have you, have you heard the Antichrist story about uh, Willem Dafoe? Uh-uh. So that movie's got a lot of sex in it. Like, yeah. it's Lars Tron, von Trier. And according – and now this could be apocryphal. This could be made up. But uh, allegedly, this was brought up on the How Did This Get Made show by one of the audience members, that uh, they had to get a body double for Willem Dafoe's penis in the movie because Lars von Trier found Willem Dafoe's penis to be confusingly large. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> this man should not have a penis this large. It doesn't fit. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a new one. Willem Dafoe's penis. Yeah, no, it's funny because I was maybe that's what the tentacle was in the lighthouse. Right. <laughs> Jeez. It must have had a body double in lighthouse too, because he's doing like naked yoga at one point. And it's not hanging out, so. <laughs> Maybe some CGI or something. <laughs> CGI is giant penis. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It uh, was cold in the lighthouse. You don't know. That could be. <laughs> but I don't know. Sometimes if it's I don't nothing. No <laughs> this has been your podcast on Willem Dafoe's penis. <laughs> That'll be one of your choices, or Batman versus Jesus. <laughs> Which is funny because Kevin Smith was on Justin Long's podcast and he goes, if you could have dinner with anybody alive or dead, who'd it be? And he goes, does it have to be real? And he's like, well, yeah. He goes, what about Batman? He's like, well, no, not Batman. So I guess I can't have Jesus either. Well, Jesus was real at least. He might not have been God, but he was real. And he's like, well, you don't know that he was real. 
I want Batman and Jesus. <laughs> I want to Batman and Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, they're going to steal our idea. But they didn't. Uh, <laughs> and then I was, I was, I couldn't sleep last night. And for whatever reason, I was watching a, a YouTube video on The View, a show I've never watched. Right. Or at least not, I mean, everybody's probably seen it, but I've never, I, I work during the day and it's on during the day. And they were having their 5,000th episode or something like that. And I found out that the name of their show was originally going to be Everyone's a Critic. <laughs> but ABC said the name sucks, so they need to pick a new one. <laughs> Thank you, Either that or I was sleeping at 2 in the morning, and I just had a dream of that. But I swear that happened. Although it would make sense that I was dreaming. What drew you to a video of The View, though? That's what I... <laughs> They had Donald Trump Jr. on. I don't even know why I would have clicked on that. I really don't know. I just kind of, I don't really search for things. I just, whatever right. pops up, and I'm like, oh, Whoopi Goldberg calls out Donald Trump Jr. I want to see this. And then yeah. I never got that far. It was like a 50 minute video, and I fell back asleep. <laughs> That's enough of a day in the life of a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Trailers, Fantasy Island. Uh, weird. This is weird. Uh, I guess I guess I should have seen this coming because it is Bloomhouse, but this is a reboot of Fantasy Island as a horror, I guess, which is weird. I I mean, it was kind of a horror when it was on, but it was terrible. You know, the <laughs> original, <laughs> it's a different kind of horror. Uh, this is a, a horror movie where Michael Pena plays Mr. Rourke, and I'm curious what millennials think of that idea. Like, do they have any idea about Ricardo Montalban and the whole history? I, you assume so because you know, why? Why else make this? You know, you want the familiar IP, and that's really the the thing that's pissing me off lately. I'm, it's getting under my getting under my skin a lot, and uh, Charlie's Angels has got a, hard, got a lot of hard work to do next week because I'm getting tired of this. Uh, I'm getting tired of the phrase IP for the most part because it is the it, it's uglier than branding, if you ask me. Well, and I don't know if you noticed in the news lately, Scorsese finally came back and tried to clarify his comments. I did post it on our Facebook page. But what his point was, was uh, he wanted what he meant by cinema wasn't like all cinema. He just wanted non-IP cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it's really more or less what he said. Yeah. He goes, I'm, I'm, you got great filmmakers making these Avenger movies, but it's still going through a... Uh, you know, boardroom of people. Yes, Kevin Feige is the main one, but it's still it's a boardroom of people who aren't artists, and that is something that it, it bugs him. And I, it's kind of it seems to be what you're saying as well. I will say I have a soft spot for Elizabeth Banks, not because she's hot or anything, but I just really like her in movies, yeah. and I I just want it to be. I'll probably make it better than it is if I even see it. <laughs> uh, but, that, yeah. that is interesting, though. I, I am going to, this week, watch uh, Seaberg, which is uh, another Kristen Stewart movie where she plays Gene Seaberg, and uh, they've got a screener for that out now. And That's cool. I'm eager to take a look at something where she's not <laughs> where she's not a Charlie Charlie's Angel. Which is most of her movies lately. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, as far as, like, I didn't know. I knew, obviously, the name Fantasy Island, but I didn't know anything about the show or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, there was elements of this that I thought were interesting, but I, I could see them, you know, backing off and not really following through to keep it interesting, which is most modern horror movies. There's always one or two things where you're like, I could see where this would be good, and then it just turns into eye rolling. Fantasy Island meets Saw. 
And now I feel like I was sitting in the meeting when they thought of that. Right. <laughs> probably were. In your dream. <clears throat> Did you see the trailer for Scoob? There is a cartoon Scooby-Doo now. That's telling the origin story of how Scooby met uh, Shaggy. Yeah, I think I've seen that. I'm trying to remember. I've seen a lot of trailers lately. I don't even know what's what. <laughs> but what'd you think of it? Like it? Uh, no, because again, familiar IP. I mean, I'm glad it's not live action, but it'll be live action again in six years when people forget this existed. How do you replace Matthew Lillard, though? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean now that I think that's what Applebee's says every Wednesday when he's right. not there. <laughs> it's mean. <laughs> he was like the only forty year old, twenty year old there was. <laughs> that had to be awkward though, in all those movies like Scream and all yeah. those Freddie Prince Jr. movies. And you're like pushing forty and they're all like twenty four. But whatever. No, I'm sure he's living very happily off of his Scooby Doo money. Yeah, I've heard he's downsized and living within his means, which is good. I really actually heard him say that on a podcast oh. once. <laughs> <laughs> maybe those Scooby checks aren't as big as I thought. <laughs> or maybe they are, and he's just, he just doesn't need a mansion. <laughs> okay, good for him. Uh, but I guess we'll start with Netflix saying to New York again. And the reason we didn't talk about it last week is because it was somewhat last minute. Yeah, I, I literally confirmed the thing last Friday that I was going uh, for Marriage Story. Uh, Noah Baumbach's new movie with uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern, and Alan Alda. And uh, this is an incredible movie. This is uh, the kind of movie that uh, I think Martin Scorsese is hoping people will make. Uh, realistic characters, a real story to tell, and... For married couples, I imagine this is the this is probably scarier than Midsummer. <laughs> this is what uh, this is what divorce is like for people who uh, definitely need to not be together, but at the same time still care about each other. But then they're caught up in the whole you know process of divorce, which leads to you know lawyers and lawyers who want to use every bit of things, every bit of power imaginable that they can come up with, and. That leads people to going out of their way almost to hurt each other in order to get what they want. In this case, it's the custody of a child and the idea of where to live. So the wife, Scarlett Johansson, is an actress, and she's got a job at a TV show in Los Angeles. But she and Adam Driver have been living in, Lo in, in New York, and he's a, a playwright and has his own theater company there and wants to stay there. And he wants his son there. And this, of course, leads to them uh, wanting different things and wanting to live apart and get divorced. And when she moves to Los Angeles, she gets a lawyer played by Laura Dern. And this incredibly complicated performance by Laura Dern, because she's essentially the villain in many ways, but she's not really the villain, because you know, there are no villains in real life. She's just a lawyer who's doing her job. She, her job is to get the best deal possible for her client by almost any means necessary. And that does make her kind of heartless. But uh, she makes so many unique and interesting choices as this character that uh, no, never makes her sympathetic in any way, but uh, that she's true to herself. And that's really what makes this performance so interesting and complicated. Then you have uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, who tr clearly are two people who love each other but don't want the same things anymore. 
and the the battle over this this child. The child isn't even really a character in the movie. Unlike you know, say something like Kramer versus Kramer or other types of divorce right. dramas, you usually see the child kind of at the center, and the child has a a larger voice. This child doesn't really have much of any voice in this. It's it's right with these two people. There is a scene in this movie that is verbal violence on a level of like. <laughs> I mean, like a mob drama, like the, the the verbal bullets that are fired are so real and so painful. And the screaming, I mean, if you've ever had that that uh, deeply emotional kind of argument with another person where you're both going for the absolute jugular, this is, this is the ultimate example of that. And then there's a moment at the very end that is just just lovely just the most this this character being incredibly vulnerable and the people around him only have a vague idea of what it is that he's doing at this moment and it's really it's so much impact uh noah bombach is is amazing he directs this movie with such assurance and uh this is you know much less harsh than say something like uh margo at the wedding which to me is like razor blades like i can't even watch it the characters are all so nasty but this one the characters everybody's sympathetic and everybody's flawed but they you feel for them all they you can see where their mistakes are you can see where they're where they're out of they're out of line, but at the same time, you understand it, and you understand them both, and they both are trying to be kind to each other in this situation as much as they can. Yeah, I can't wait to see this movie. I think it just, I don't know, it looks fantastic. It looks powerful. It looks, you know, I mean, I'm, it's a joke, but I mean, I'm thinking about like when Alec Baldwin calls daughter a pig, and all, you know, all those things right. that, you know, we sit and laugh at, but those are real moments that get caught on tape and then we all have to see. I mean, and it, not not that that's even relevant to this movie, but it's cool that they could capture a moment. Not, I mean, it sucks, you know, I'm sure in real life, no one's proud of acting like that, but when you're caught up in those moments, it's, it's hard not to. And I don't know. I just, this is Netflix. Yeah. When? December 6th. God damn it. Why do they have to wait so damn long? (laughs) It was weird though. We went to a screening, a critic screening, uh, about a block away from a theater that was already showing this movie, which I thought was bizarre. But but that's what they've been doing yeah, lately, yeah. is because the Irishman's out there right. in like four theaters, <laughs> <clears throat> which sucks. I, I I think the theater should have gone with the forty five days, whatever it was. Well, they wanted forty five days. Netflix wanted forty. And that was really it was they wanted thirty eight to forty is what Netflix wanted. I'd read that they Netflix offered they said the highest it would go is forty five and the theaters wanted like no less than sixty or something yeah. like that. I don't know what it was, but I to me the theaters are gonna have to find a way to if they want these movies to compromise in some fashion. I can see it from the theater owner's perspective, though. Like, how big is a three-and-a-half-hour movie going to be in a movie theater in terms of how much money you can make off of it? You're talking maybe three screenings a day at most with a, with a length like that. And, and as much as people are like, oh, I'm so excited about this movie, how many people really are ready to pay to see a three-and-a-half-hour movie? In the theater, right? And in in that particular scenario, no, I, you're right. Just because I'd go do it doesn't mean right. <laughs> you know, fifty other people are going to do it every day or in every t- 
town and three times a day. Uh, you have to like, I mean, to to really make money on that, you know, c- considering what they make off of tickets, which the the amount of money that that movie theaters are forced to give away on ticket sales alone, it's really not valuable. You don't make money selling tickets. You make money selling popcorn and pop, and maybe you can do a little bit more of that in three and a half hours. But then I don't know. It's you have to sell out every screening to make it actually valuable to have a movie that's only showing three times a day. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to say. You know, the Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci combo—if that would bring people or not. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but at some point, there are movies that could, you know, that I think could do okay. And part of me is like, it's like radio kind of holding on to the death grip of what they got until it fails, you know, and rather than moving on and trying to adapt. You know, certain stations do, but others are just like, you know, I'm playing the same 12 songs, you know, every half hour. And they're going to do fine until they're not. And yeah. it's on the way out. And but you know those fathom events and those things are working well for you know the movies you know it's, every time I've gone it's been packed yeah I mean, if you wanted to if you wanted to roadshow the Irishman maybe that would work but not uh, not as a regular theatrical release which is what Netflix wanted right uh, let's see I know people are trying to say that uh, Joaquin Phoenix is basically wrapped up best actor but that means they haven't seen Adam Driver yet. In this movie, because this is this is a performance as great as Joaquin Phoenix is, as much as I appreciate what he did there, this is a better movie, and it's a and it's a, a much more complicated and complex performance. Where you, and again, I'm not, not not criticizing Joaquin Phoenix. I love that performance. Honestly, I think it's way better than the movie. His performance, but he's got a lot of room to play with. You know, he's got a he's got a lot of broad structure to work with and and it's showy. And you it's like it's that show your work kind of acting that right. I that I that we often talk about. Adam Driver has to do so much more internally here and try and communicate that to you in a much more subtle fashion and I'm much more impressed with this than I am with the showier broader I've always stuff. liked this t- I mean obviously I haven't seen this movie but that type of performance over the the over-the-top stuff. I mean, I appreciate Jack Nicholson and, you know, everything he's ever done. Uh, but, you know, it's like when Kate Blanchett won Best Actress and then Amy Adams, though, it was so much better and whatever it was, a rival or whatever it was. It's because one was over-the-top and one was internal. And I I don't know. I prefer that, but either way, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, Adam Driver is a fantastic actor and... If he doesn't want it for this, I'll want it for something someday, I'm sure. So the the, the press conference was fantastic. Uh, Alan Alda is as charming as you would expect, and Laura Dern is just so wonderfully sweet and just uh, just has a wonderfully smart answer for everything. Uh, Adam Driver is fantastic, just a, a great, great guy. Noah Baumbach uh, put up with some questions that I was just – I was. Truly, at, at one point, I was a little bit embarrassed to be a film critic, honestly. At one of the questions my colleagues asked, I was really annoyed. Are you allowed to share it, or will they know who it is? Uh, if I it. say it a particular way, people might know who I'm talking about, but just don't, don't ever say to a director, you know, that choice took me out of the movie. <laughs> really? You're going to say that now, standing in front of the director? You, you know better in this moment? The, okay. Ooh, I was mad. I was mad. 
<laughs> I was mad when he he could yeah. not believe the arrogance. Maybe and maybe he didn't mean it that way, but that's the way it came off. It came off like he was criticizing the movie to the guy's face. And uh, you can, if you didn't like the movie, sit down and don't ask a fucking question then. <laughs> and I don't get the impression that the guy didn't like the movie, but he had to make a point that he saw something that took him out of the movie. And I don't mind doing it to a director's face. And, and it's just not necessarily in a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do a podcast, do an interview, do yeah. a something and then have that conversation i'm you know that's okay yeah well and and he did explain the choice and why he made it and why he felt it was more effective so i I appreciated noah bombuck uh you know not he didn't like dunk on the guy it was really it was a really just an intelligent answer about why he chose what he to do what he chose no and i've always enjoyed interviews where someone will go at a director and then watch them combat kevin smith does it really well a lot of times in a one-on-one scenario, this was embarrassing. Yeah, like you're trying you're trying to show the guy up. This way, the way it came off, whether intentionally or not, it came off like that, and I felt embarrassed for everybody in the room. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> speaking of being embarrassed, so I posted a picture of myself talking to Noah Bombach, and uh, uh, it was really cool. I got like a minute with him just to just to chat and ask him a question about the movie, and I was going to record it and. Uh, uh, play it here on the show, actually. And, uh, you know, funny thing about recorders. <laughs> I hit record. <laughs> I was so... There were people around, and again, more of my colleagues just kind of being uh, oh, being New Yorkers. Uh, <laughs> granted, I don't know if they were New Yorkers. They were acting like New Yorkers. Everybody's kind of shoving in and trying to... There's no structure, so nobody's got any... There are no rules. It's the Wild West. Whoever can get close enough gets to ask a question. And I finally got my moment, and everybody's kind of shoving around and trying to get his attention. And so I just thought I hit play, and I didn't. So now there's a picture of me holding my recorder in front of Noah Bombach, and the recorder's not on. That's funny. (laughs) I thought maybe. Like, there was one time, because on the side I interview bands, and I had an entire band in a tour bus and I was talking to him and I was talking to like the singer and like the drummer's off in the background bad mouthing the band he I was talking to this guy and I didn't even hear it I released it and the singer sends me an email and goes hey you can do what you want but would it be cool if you kind of cut this part out or my drummer's being an idiot and bad mouthing and I was like I didn't even hear it I'm sorry and I went in the look and sure enough in wow. the background you can hear him bad mouthing the band they're talking about and it was I don't know. I thought that's where you were going to go with this for a second. <laughs> I've, millions of times I've had to not hit record. Never on this podcast, or I guess maybe once or twice, but never like for real. Like yeah. we finished, and I was like, oh shit, we didn't record. Speaking of, <laughs> yes, we are recording. Anything else on marriage story? I'm kind of jealous that I, because I want, this is one of the, probably the what I'm most excited for now at this point. I can't, Uncut Gems I'm a little excited about, but this one just looks fantastic. It's weird looking ahead at the rest of the year and really not being all that excited about anything that's still to come. Uh, and, and the weirder thing is, is that uh, Midsummer continues to outclass everything. 
And that's not to say I, I love Marriage Story. Midsummer is still like it's still up there so much higher. It's like that's an all time, and then this is for this year. Like if I had to do a, I almost need to do a separate list. This is the best movies of 2019. Midsummer is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's yeah, it's yeah. Even it, like I, like I was saying when we first saw it, I was worried about going forward. You know, even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, very distant. You know, that's Tarantino. <laughs> and so it was just kind of like, how am I going to enjoy this? The Lighthouse I liked a ton. Uh, I went and saw Jojo Rabbit. We're not going to talk about it on this episode. We'll tell you why in a little bit. Uh, I love all these movies, but it's just it's just different. It, they're good. They're But it's – and part of me is bothered by that, but the other part is like, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, so far, other than one person, everybody's liked Midsummer that I've – talk to so there's that too uh but anyway the reason we're not doing jojo rabbit is sean because he went to new york he said these are the movies we're going to talk about uh, marriage story last christmas jojo rabbit parasite and dr sleep and i said what about the fire movie with john cena because <laughs> i'm going to be left alone with my kids and my wife was going to go out with a friend and I could take him to that. And he's like, really? Parasite and Jojo Rabbit are coming out. And you're going to go see the fire movie with John Cena? Uh, so I tucked my tails in my legs. And I took my kids to Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> a movie about Hitler as a imaginary friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sean went and saw the fire movie. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about either one of those. Jojo Rabbit's going to come up next week. Yeah. But last Christmas. Last Christmas, uh, Emilia Clark and uh, Henry Golding in a romance uh, featuring the music of uh, George Michael and uh, the direction of Paul Feig. And uh, I had low expectations for this because I've had a lot of hard things to say about Emilia Clark on this podcast. She's not and been Christmas in- <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and, and so this is not a movie that was necessarily one I was anticipating, and, uh, and I, I love being caught off guard. I really do, and that's what this movie did. Uh, Amelia Clark is a real movie star. She really gets it. This one is this is very good. Uh, this is a, a really wonderful performance about a girl who's recovering from a heart transplant, who uh, is starting to move back out into the world by herself and not taking care of herself and truly screwing around uh basically kind of almost not trying to kill herself but not really caring if anything really bad happens she's uh avoiding her mother played by emma thompson who's uh overbearing and been trying to get her to take care of herself and that kind of thing and uh she's working as an elf at a christmas store which is a year-round christmas store (laughs) (laughs) uh this is set at christmas though uh She's uh, she meets a guy uh, played by Henry Golding who just kind of seems to pop up in her life, just kind of there all of a sudden. Like here he is, oh here he is again, and the two begin to develop this uh, lovely uh, romance, and it starts to help her to heal herself. And that's all very obvious romantic comedy stuff. What's less obvious is the way that she chooses to play these scenes and the way she chooses to play the character. And that's really when you're talking about a formula holiday romance you the you need little touches that are a little bit different like with love actually giving everybody just these little moments where whether it's hugh grant dancing or it's liam neeson having this heart to heart with his son about his dead mother or 
uh, you know, the naked couple <laughs> that are making the porno in the movie. Just these little colorful touches. You got to have these little side notes to to make it different and not not feel like such a formula movie. And that's uh, what they do here. Is a number of little tiny moments that are are just a little bit different and a little bit offbeat. And they really, really work, and and uh, it's all centered on her. She really does take over and run this whole thing, and she is so engaging and so charming and so funny that uh, it, this movie really worked on me. Even as a, there is a formula element to it, and there is a twist, and there is a uh, stuff that normally might make me roll my eyes. Uh, she she got me past that feeling, and I, I I can't praise her enough. Yeah, I remember when we watched the trailer. There was part of me that was like, this could be the thing that pulls her out of game of thrones and makes her a star however there's it couldn't be it could also not be that it could just be the formulaic you know rom-com christmas movie they need throw paul feig's name on it and i was like okay i'm i'm leaning that way i mean i'm not gonna see it because i there's only so many hours in the day right uh but i I, i'm glad it turned out the way you know you always want to root for somebody and it's cool to see someone transition to the next stage of their career because when you're on a tv show you kind of become that character and it's hard to get away from that and it's cool to see that i mean it, it wasn't all that successful but yeah. at least it you know it was successful in the fact that they pulled it off just right. financially they didn't i wonder if maybe i have the advantage of never having seen game of thrones and thus i don't have her in that particular box well but at the same time a lot of the things you said about her in the past has been because of. I mean, it's not. It wasn't just her. You were saying stuff. Yeah. About it. it was like, it was whenever they do that Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or any real TV show that where they have the time off to do that quick horror movie real quick. Right. Uh, it always sucks. Just no matter always, who it yeah, is. Made so many bad choices. And uh, that's just more for something them to get paid for in between right. movies or TV series seasons. So I think there is that too. That. Uh, maybe didn't matter if you were <laughs> if you were clouded or not uh but i've never seen game of thrones either and i don't really care i mean yeah, at this point it's, it's not, like uh, i know crazy shit happens so when it doesn't happen i'll be disappointed and when it does happen i'll be okay i was expecting that <laughs> if i'd watch it from the get-go yeah sure i yeah. get it that would have been cool but i missed the boat on that so at this point it's too late i've uh, i've given up on pretty much all tv and uh it's just all movies for me i'm kind of in the same boat every now and then there's a glow or something like that that i'll i'll get into but i try like i want to watch barry and i get them two episodes in and then it's just like seven movies later <laughs> i to do another one uh it is what it is parasite parasite yes uh, bong joon ho the d- director of snowpiercer uh directing this movie about a uh, a family in korea who uh <laughs> begins to uh they're very poor and they're they're trying to find jobs and try and find their way out of uh, this impoverished situation that they're in the son gets a job as a uh, tutor for a very rich family and from there they begin to uh, find their way into just kind of weave their way into the lives of these these very rich characters uh, he finds a job for his sister as an art teacher to a little boy in the house he uh, gets his dad a job as a driver for the family even though he d- but they're pretending not to know each other so it's all like a big con job essentially <laughs> and uh, the, the mother eventually gets in as well and so you've got the entire family in this situation and then the movie is going to take a turn and 
you think you know where this is going. You don't know where this is going. <laughs> you really don't. There's a there's a turn coming that nobody can expect, and it is absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> it really is a a movie that manipulates you in such unique ways because it's almost it's almost sitcom level at times where you're just like this is funny you know sitcom shtick at a moment, and then it takes a turn that. <laughs> it's like midsummer. <laughs> like, what is going on in this moment? It is <coughs> absolutely insane, and that's what makes this uh, right up there with uh, Marriage Story, right under that yeah that that territory of being not quite midsummer. <laughs> is it part of the reason why you don't expect it because you don't even expect a turn to happen? Right, because it's. I mean, you're walk, you're going through this movie and it's unfolding in a way that is very humorous. And while you're expecting something dramatic should happen, what that dramatic thing might be, you don't know. And this movie's got a lot of surprises in the third act, and they all make sense. It's all logical. It's not. You're not jarred specifically because uh, it all does have a, a certain sensibility to it, but. Uh, there are jarring moments, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it's not so much that it feels out of place. But it's like when you go to an M. Night Shyamalan movie, you're waiting for that turn, and then if it doesn't meet up the expectations, the movie is complete garbage. You know, I mean, I, this Knives Out movie, I, I'm i excited about it, I like everybody involved, but I'm, I don't know how he's going to pull this off and make it feel fresh, because yeah. we've seen this movie a million times, but I'm, I'm all for giving him a chance, I love Ryan Johnson, uh, but... You know, I'm ex- you're expecting that twist when it's something that you're just kind of watching. All of a sudden, bam, they hit you. That's that's something. I mean, I guess Sixth Sense was a movie that did that really well because that's what caused them that Shyamalan <laughs> really to fall apart. But this is a wonderful form of like ever mounting insanity that uh, begins to unfold in the third act, and it is just it's glorious to watch. This is a masterful piece of direction where he is uh, manipulating you the entire way. Uh, in many ways, kind of like a, a great magician. You know, you're over here looking at the sitcom comedy, and over here there's this whole other thing that's rising up behind you that you don't see yet. It's wonderful. Yeah, I never did watch Akja, but I remember Snowpiercer being like a lot more fun and good than. I mean, I was just expecting a straight ahead action movie kind of, and then all of a sudden it was just like kind of like an old school video game where you're jumping level to level and it totally changes each train. And it was ended up being a lot, like a pretty fun experience. I yeah. think we watched that as a podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for it. I can't wait to see it. It just sucks that when they pick a week when like everything good comes out. <laughs> it was insane. The number of things that were, that were released this week uh, to try and see. And good stuff at that, which is really, really surprising. Yeah, so far you have yet to bad mouth the movie. Let's... Well, I mean, we didn't talk about the fire. <laughs> That's true. But had you seen Jojo Rabbit, you'd have liked that one too, I think. I bet. You know, there's some people who theorize that uh, if the Academy doesn't go for Joker, they might go for Jojo Rabbit. For best picture, that's what I'm hearing. Joker for best picture. Oh, everybody's yeah, everybody's saying Joker. Yeah, really. Midsummer not going to be nominated or nothing. I mean, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that uh, where the critics' choice maybe. Uh, I don't know about the somehow, Academy. If they could somehow get a second wind or something like that. The Academy is so down on horror that uh, it seems unlikely. Yeah, uh, even though I I would say that Joker is a horror movie in and of itself too, but. Uh, the 
Yeah, I, I was talking every time. Like I had a couple conversations with colleagues, and they were at, were my friend Linda Cook, who's a fellow critic, likes to ask people, "Well, what's your movie this year? What's your movie this year?" Her movie is Midsummer. My movie's Midsummer. We asked a colleague at the thing, "What's your movie, Midsummer?" <laughs> so maybe there, there seems to be a small like pocket of people who have held on to this movie and held it above other movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, Joker right now is dominating the entire conversation. And I love Joker. Don't get me wrong, but this, it's this type of thing that makes me turn on a movie. <laughs> uh, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep, starring Ewan McGregor as the uh, young boy from The Shining, all grown up now and uh, an alcoholic and recovering and uh, trying to pretend that he doesn't have these incredible psychic abilities and trying to deal with trying to deny his psychic abilities and and the, the things he's able to do in terms of talking to the dead and seeing the dead. Uh, and then you have this young girl, Abra, uh, played by Kaylee Curran, who is uh, an even more powerful psychic than him. And they've developed this psychic bond where they're able to speak to each other without ever seeing each other. And this the friendship sort of develops over uh, a period of about a decade where they're communicating with each other. Meanwhile, as this is happening, we we meet these characters led by Rebecca Ferguson, who is uh, Rose the Hat. And uh, she's the, this incredibly evil villain. And it's really kind of exciting to see this type of clear villain. <laughs> like, she is evil. She's very evil. And granted, she's got a purpose to her evil. She's got people to uh, feed and a family to take care of. But she's evil. She is a straight-up murderer, and the, the, there's no ambiguity about it. And she hunts down people who have the abilities that uh, Dan Torrance and Abra have, and she takes their essence, their smoke. And uh, she's looking to get to Abra, and of course, Dan's got to try and protect her. Uh, and where it goes from there is, uh, you know, is a movie that is very smart and very exciting, and got some terrific action to it, and some wonderful suspense, and all these wonderful callbacks to the to the Stephen uh, to the Stephen King novel, as well as to the uh, the Stanley Kubrick movie. And uh, I think the, the director here, Mike Flanagan, does an amazing job of bridging that gap between yeah. the book and the movie. You know, because Stephen King famously didn't like the movie. And he does this wonderful thing where he brings those two things together in a way that uh, it makes sense and it, and it feels organic and it, and it really works. And especially that that final act is really, really insanely entertaining with all the amazing callbacks to the first movie and uh, and a, a, a plot that makes sense. Uh, the way it plays out makes a lot of sense. And it's... Uh, I, the other thing I loved about it is that you know oftentimes they'll create movies create villains that are so powerful. I was gonna say that. Yeah, they create these villains that are so powerful that you can't believe that the heroes would be able to survive them. Not this time. The heroes are perfectly on equal footing, and the young girl her her main weakness is kind of naivete. I mean, because she but she knows how powerful she is, and she knows how to take care of herself in many ways. Uh, that I really appreciated just how how equal these two forces are. You don't have this overbearing villain that you're just kind of rolling your eyes. There's no way that they could survive that. <laughs> There's none of that in this movie. That's really clever. That's a really great way to play it. Yeah, and they talk about the different levels of shine, which I think they do a good job of uh, accomplishing. Like one 
kid's just a baseball player, and he just probably doesn't realize he has it. He just kind of knows what pitch is coming, and he hits really well. And then what happens to him sucks. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's Jacob Tremblay. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was watching. I'm like, he's older than that, isn't he? And yeah, just a bit roll. But yeah, it's. Uh, I read the book like right before seeing this because I wanted to at least the Doctor Sleep book. Yeah, Doctor Sleep because I wanted to at least see if I can try to bring the book part because there is people who do that, and I because of that I know how it ends. And so part of me is just kind of waiting to get there. And so it's a long wait if that's what you're waiting for. Because uh, it's a two and a half hour movie. Right. Uh, I left to refill my drink and go to the bathroom twice. Did Abra predict 9-11 in the movie? No. She does in the book. And that's how <laughs> uh, but then there's things in it that happen, the callbacks in the Overlook, that in the book, you're kind of like, how is he going to do this? Are we going to see CGI stuff, or is he just going to get new people, or what's he going to do? And it's kind of a lose-lose without spoiling what he does. But, I, you know, it, it isn't that distracting. It's a little bit, but not enough. You know, uh, I think he does it good enough that it's – you kind of – as soon as you see it, you you accept it and you move on. It's not It's not disappointing. It's not – cheesy you know it, it works out good uh and it's it's a good fun movie it's long but ewan mcgregor's great uh rebecca ferguson's great the girl who plays abra is fantastic she's got this confidence and swagger about her that's pretty awesome yeah uh, that makes the showdown fun i mean it's scary it's disturbing but and you believe she could lose, but you also know she could win. You know, it, there really is that doubt either way. They do a great job of capturing all that. And Stephen King has said this movie has made him appreciate Stanley Kubrick's version. So that's, and I, I can see why. Like you said, it really does tie the two together better than I knew possible. Yeah, and I didn't expect it. Uh, this because uh, this director's not done anything that's really uh, blown me away before. Uh, a couple of like Oculus and uh, another horror movie like in that vein that really weren't that impressive. And this is this is a big undertaking here. He's got a lot of masters to serve in terms of like I said, you know, we're complaining. I was complaining before about IP. <laughs> this is certainly related to that. Uh, He's got that. He's got uh, the 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 reputation of the movie hanging over it, which is a masterpiece. And he's got uh, you know Stephen King, who's still around and able to comment on anything and, well, and <laughs> wielding to, his fan base like a sword. Not to mention when they wanted to recreate the Overlook from Kubrick Shining, he said no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to be talked into. So it wasn't easy. Uh, and at the same time, I mean, as much as I like this movie gonna forget about it i mean i don't know it's not the shining it's not midsummer it's not jojo rabbit it's a good movie it's kind of it yeah you know I'll, I'll compare it to that uh maybe a little less one because pennywise is such an, a memorable character but it's it's more of a blockbuster horror movie that happens to be two and a half hours long that happens to be a failed blockbuster yeah <laughs> but at the same time if you want to watch it it is enjoyable and you'll enjoy it'll be fun I am surprised people didn't give this more of a chance. Uh, the prediction was $30 million at the box office this weekend, and it made fifteen, which was a pretty significant uh, disappointment, given the the biggest, in terms of box office challenges, uh, the biggest box office challenge was... Uh, Midway. Midway. And Terminator Midway won. There. <laughs> which yeah. is bizarre. 
Yeah, it was kind of a week because Terminator failed the week before, yeah. and, it was, and it was still hanging out there. Last Christmas didn't do all that well either. They all kind of hung out in that 15 million range. I think Midway only got the 17, so it wasn't like anybody did great, but it was. It was as if the uh, movies, movie theaters are kind of like network television this weekend. <laughs> Good God, don't let this be the new norm. <laughs> right. But meanwhile, you got out there. I mean, you got Motherless Brooklyn, you got Lighthouse, yeah. you got Parasite, you got Jojo Rabbit. The Joker is still out there. There's great movies in the theaters, but especially these small ones, and I think Uncut Gems is coming soon. So there's stuff out there, and it looks like Ford versus Ferrari is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, I don't know. It's I don't. It's kind of disappointing. I don't know if you having it, the fact that it was called Doctor Sleep hurts it, and not The Shining Part Two. Yeah, maybe. Because uh, I don't. Not a lot of people. I would have thought that the Stephen King fans would have would have helped with that. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> Well, I mean, you see the Dark Tower. <laughs> you know, that's got a rabid fan base, and that didn't do shit. <laughs> What's a shitty movie? Well, I know, but if the this fans really were able to. Movie. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, I think it'll pick up a second life a little bit on, you know, Netflix, wherever it goes. But I don't think it's going to. Obviously, it's not it, because it yeah. did well. <laughs> it's not a top 10 movie, It's a it's a it's but it may be a top 20 for me. Yeah, it, it depends on how the rest of your plan pans out for me and then whether or not you know where i'm at mentally when i go and do it if i remember it or not it is so bizarre to look at this though and think that maybe with parasite uh and lighthouse maybe we've seen him maybe we've seen what we're gonna see this year and that's gonna be in our top 10 lists and and you're looking at this barren field you know that is uh the, the rest of this year could just be could just be blockbusters yeah star wars I'm curious about that Fox News movie, but that looks like it could be Vice. Yeah. Uh, it could go either way. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, dubious on Bombshell, although Jay Roach is a hell of a director, and he, he tends to have a perspective, whereas Adam McKay tried to play it both sides. I think uh, Jay Roach will be much more... Uh, he'll be a little Adam, nastier. You thought Adam McKay played... I thought... I don't know. I thought Vice was too left side left-leaning without any it just kind of was like well i know all this <laughs> you know, this isn't i don't know i thought it lacked any perspective at all really i thought it just tried to present it and, and let you decide what's evil and what's not i thought they just presented it as evil but it was just kind of <laughs> it just didn't have any maybe perspective is the word i it, but it just didn't do anything I thought, for me. I thought there were moments where where if you're if you're somebody who agreed with cheney will go yeah of course that's the yes that's the way you should see it <laughs> I don't think that's how he filmed it. Uh, maybe Oliver Stone did that with Bush. <laughs> or W, whatever it was called. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event for the linear, legitimate, and universally recognized, undisputed classic. The Shining. Yeah, The Shining, 1980, uh, St- Stanley Kubrick uh, directing a, a b- movie based off of a uh, Stephen King novel. Stephen King didn't like this movie. Uh, the, Stanley Kubrick didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And he made an incredible movie based off of that, which is uh, you know good for him. Uh, the The story goes uh, that this family goes to this hotel in, in Colorado in the middle of winter. Uh, they're going to be the winter caretakers for it, and uh, uh, 
it's empty and they're going to take care of the place and it's haunted deeply deeply terrifyingly haunted and it begins to haunt uh, the character played by uh, Jack Torrance played by uh, Jack Nicholson and he's going to slowly lose his mind and as he does as he begins to unravel the story begins to gain energy and life and this ball rolling down a hill energy that cannot be stopped this ever spinning insanity that is uh, this cyclone that is building throughout the movie in this uh, incredibly wonderful fashion with these amazing visuals with the the blood coming out of the elevator the twins the lady in that hotel room room 238 is uh, uh, a thing of nightmares and undoubtedly and uh, I loved the way that they brought that in in Doctor Sleep. I thought that worked really, really well. And, uh, just that that woman rising from the bathtub is one of the one of the most frightening things I'd ever seen as a kid. That uh, haunted me for a while. Uh, the first time I saw this movie, when I I was maybe ten years old when I saw it. So your first pair of boobs, scared you. <laughs> No, her rising out of the tub didn't scare me when she was kissing him. That scared ah! me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, watching it now, it's like this is definitely you know Jack Nicholson doing what you're you know he was sure watching me act. Acting. <laughs> and but it's he's crazy, so it it kind of works here. You know, it works in Joker when or Batman when he did it as Joker, even Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, even though I think he. Is kind of in between there, but I think he lives within the context though of what he's playing, as opposed to uh, you know sometimes doing bits of business. Well, The Departed (laughs) was a bunch of business. As much as I love it, and it was a ton of fun, it was nothing but business. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, it's just a. And then you just wonder about you know the more I watch Kubrick stuff, I read about it or listen to a podcast talk about it, it's like. Just, you just wonder why he makes the choices he makes sometimes, because uh, the shine doesn't particularly make sense, <laughs> uh, and that's part of I'm sure what Stephen King had a problem with. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, you well, know, a, like abstract visual poetry at times, right? And it's you know because it's dark, I'm more into it than you know something like Terrence Malick would do, or whatever. But it's. I don't know. It's just such a fantastic movie. The way, I mean, but at the same time, the, the way he treated Shelley Duvall is kind of despicable. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. And horrific. And I understand why he does it, but I don't think it's okay. No. <laughs> you know? And you hear stuff about David O. Russell doing stuff like that just to get a performance out of somebody. And I don't, you know, let them try to act. They don't have to actually be miserable. <laughs> and so I don't, you know, there's things about it that I don't, you know, it's, I like the movie, and I, it, but that does affect my opinion a little bit. Uh, I mean, they brought back just about everything in Doctor Sleep, except for like the bear or whatever that masturbating bear thing was. <laughs> right. That wasn't in Doctor Sleep. <laughs> I mean, the maze. You know, the you watching. Oh, I love the way they use the maze in Doctor Sleep. It's so good. Yeah. So good. But even in The Shining, when they go out there earlier and yeah. they, they learn it, you know, not for any reason. They just happen to learn the maze, so he knows his way around it, and Jack doesn't. And it's kind of cool, uh, the way that leads to the climax. And 
the little kid on the on his little bike riding around the overlook that uh that wonderful piece of carpet that is such a great the sound editing yeah on that. oh the creepy twins the 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 sound of them talking is incredible uh and at the time nobody had ever done anything like that yeah it it seems passe now but at the time it was something you'd not seen before and that's what kubrick was so great at is creating indelible moments that perhaps you'd not seen before in a movie well even then you know the all work no play makes jack a little boy i mean i was never really paid attention to it. i just knew it and you know every every time they wrote it, it was a little different there was typos and they didn't care and i think that made it that much better it shows you how much crazy her crazier he is and they could have just done one page and then copied a thousand of them. <laughs> and it's, it was, I don't know, that just that little detail mattered to me. And uh, I don't know, it really, it's truly a classic for a number of reasons. But, uh, but at the same time, I, I mean, Dr. Sleep's not The Shining, uh, but I don't think the book is either. Yeah. And I don't think that's the director's fault. I just, The Shining's its own thing. And, I want to call it the shinning. <laughs> you know, you you hear when you're talking about uh, all work and no play. I keep hearing uh, no beer and no TV make Homer something something. <laughs> the, but Simpsons, I mean, the Simpsons shining parody is one of the greatest pieces of television in history. Oh yeah. And but I mean that's an iconic line. The Red Rum. We haven't even mentioned that. Right? Uh, I mean, that was one of the first things. I, I don't know why. My, I remember my dad, who's kind of kept me sheltered. He was the one who kind of explained what Red Rum was to me. <laughs> I don't even remember what the – maybe it was The Simpsons. Maybe I saw it before The Shining. Uh, but it, it – I don't know. It Just iconic visuals, iconic characters, iconic story. And, you know, Jack and Stanley Kubrick, it's just a fantastic movie and – I'm glad we got to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> An excuse to watch The Shining. I'll take it. Uh, 1989. Henry V? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Well, it's Shakespeare. Well, why know that? <laughs> I don't know the movie. <laughs> no, I don't either. Uh, best of the Best. Best of the Best. Which one is that? Is that Eric Roberts? I really should have. I, w- I planned on watching Best of the Best because it looks so wonderfully goofily cheesy that I, I really looks like it would be right up my alley in terms of watching something awful eric roberts james earl jones how how did i call that a team from the united states is going to compete against korea in taekwondo tournament <laughs> the team consists of fighters from all over the country can they overcome their rivalry rivalry and work together <laughs> with eric roberts as a star that's amazing uh, James, James Earl Jones is his uh, worldly coach. Yeah, he's his Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> well, I'd love to see James Earl Jones doing some Taekwondo. <laughs> and Henry V is Kenneth Branagh. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've seen that. Of course I've seen that. Now that's incredible. Yeah. Sorry for... Uh, <laughs> no, it took me a minute to remember. Now. I was like, which one was that? No, the, the visuals in that are amazing. And it's... Uh, it's Brenna in his uh, infant terrible uh, phase when he was just trying to when he was taking money from people and making these big grand epics that nobody wanted him to make. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that era. Uh, then they're staying together with Rudy. 
Nope, never heard uh, of it. The complacent life of three small town brothers is shattered when their father sells a family business from under them. What kind of monstrous father would do that? Is it Brian Dennehy? Mm. <laughs> Why did I assume it's Brian Dennehy? I don't know. Because yeah, it's the 80s. Seems period appropriate. Uh, Stockard Chanley's in it. Daphne Zuniga. Delmet Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Uh... <laughs> Are you having a stroke? And Rudy. <laughs> That's a cold. <laughs> Stocker Chanley and... <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> Demrot Mulsani. <laughs> Talking faster than I can think. Or than I can read. Uh, then there's My Left Foot with Day Daniel Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watched 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where I've seen it. I don't need to see it This again. is insufferable. <laughs> I mean, he I won an Oscar. Inspiring story, so on, so forth. I don't care. I just don't care. I just It's all the stories that are around it that just kind of ruin it. Whether they're true or not, I have no idea. But I've applied them to this movie. I've applied them to Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's not fair, <laughs> but... It affects my opinion of him and it bugs me. I'm sure it's not true. There's no way he had people carry him around. The set. <laughs> There's no way he did that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> my willingness to believe it is, uh, is very odd. Yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, if you want to go watch him win an Oscar, go watch that one. I just have no interest in it. <clears throat> like I said, I started watching it. I watched about 10 minutes and I'm like, I, I can't. I just I just can't. <laughs> it felt like homework that quickly. <laughs> I'm in a hotel in New York City. I hate New York, and I still can't sit through this fucking movie. <laughs> Which, by the way, yes, I hate New York. Uh, that's the one takeaway that I had from the trip, is that New York smells bad. The people are rude. I had a wonderful experience with the movie and, and with Noah Baumbach and Adam Driver and the co- press conference. Uh, and loved all that. New York sucks. How often did you have to be out in public? Uh, not often, but we had. I mean, the it was so close. The, the 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 theater was so close that taking an Uber seemed kind of stupid. So I would have to walk. Oh, to and the, there's a shit ton of people when you walk. Yeah, and it's awful. And they don't you they don't use signs in New York. Who knew that they don't like to put signs on things to tell you where they are, so you can walk past them three times before you figure out where the fuck they are. So that's wonderful. And then they, New Yorkers don't like lines. They don't care for lines. They don't care for politeness. So they just want to get where they're. They want to be. Well, they want to get their thing and get out of the way. And so don't go to a, don't go to a Starbucks or or a fast food restaurant because they're just going to just just walk right in front of you like you're not even there. And then then tell you it's charming later. How they 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 take what they want. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Where is where is Los Angeles? I, I literally felt like a warm hug when I got there. Honestly, <laughs> that was the fire. <laughs> the people were wonderful. The the, you know, the the most wonderful Uber drivers to get me to pick me up at LAX and take me back to LAX while I was there. The Four Seasons was like just so lovely and inviting. Uh, here I had a wonderful view of a air conditioner <laughs> and a lot of pigeons and pigeon shit. Out the window, that was lovely, and the room was extraordinarily tiny for his uh, five star hotel, though. Five star hotel. That's and yeah. I'm not complaining. Netflix, I oh, love no, no. you. 
Uh, but it's th- the just, way New York is. The fact that that would it's probably one of the nicer places. <laughs> <in New York. laughs> yeah, Netflix I, was wonderful. The people who work there are fantastic. But I hate New York City. I hate it. Next time, bring a premiere to Chicago so Sean can go. There you go. <laughs> or go back to L.A. Send him there. Yes, I'd love L.A. Please, let's do L.A. again. Uh, next week, we got the Good Liar, Charlie's Angels, IP, and Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> and Jojo Rabbit again. Oh, yeah, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I can't wait to talk about that one because I took my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's PG-13, and it was a guy who directed Thor, so <laughs> that bad i was saving money for my new york trip and i couldn't the the regular movie theater is 35 minutes away the movie theater in my and where i live is five minutes away it's like money wise i gotta make the choice here oh yeah no i don't blame you Uh, yeah the hotel like makes you put a hundred dollar hold even though you're not paying for the room yourself yeah and it's like, we're not taking it out. We're just putting it on hold. Well, yeah, but you can't use it. <laughs> and sometimes it's like five days to go yeah. back sometimes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I'm like, yeah, I got to save money now. Uh, classic is Le Mans, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Uh, 1989, yeah. Little Mermaid, Steel Magnolias, and To the Limit came out. Yeah, the, the Ford versus Ferrari is all about Le Mans, and uh, Steve McQueen is an icon. Uh, maybe Le Mans is a shitty movie. We don't know. It's we'll not necessarily, out. not necessarily a movie anybody talks about anymore. But it's on Amazon for free, and that's all. Have, we you, ever, have you ever seen a racing movie that you really loved? Racing cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hard to say because like Rebel Without a Cause is like kind. It's not really a racing movie. There's racing in it. Yeah. Uh, free Jack. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a Fast and the Furious guy. Uh, and the same thing, though. It's not, there's racing in the first right. one, but not about that. That's a good question. I mean, not really. Death Race, too bad. <laughs> that is a clever premise at the very least. Yeah. Uh, quite, quite a horror show. I mean, I'm on board for Ford versus Ferrari as much as, like you were saying, it's hard to root for. <laughs> two successful companies although i guess supposedly at the time ford was struggling uh but it's matt damon and christian bale so I'm neither on one neither side of this is an underdog we're talking about two t- two companies throwing millions of dollars at trying to win a race while there are people you know who can't afford food uh, <laughs> i mean not to put it in that perspective this could be a very good movie and i have every confidence because it's james mangold and and bait and bale, bale and, and damon, damon but Who's having the stroke? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I I watched an interview with Damon where he was saying that Ford was really not what they were, what they are now. Uh, so it really is an underdog story. I'm like, well, we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the multi-billion dollar company is never going to be the underdog for me. <laughs> but were they multi-billion dollars at the time? Maybe they're multi-thousand. <laughs> with inflation, maybe was multi-billion. Well, you know, th- th- they'll get to that billion dollar area by cutting all the people who, make, who made the cars. <laughs> and sending them off to poverty in Flint, Michigan. So... Yay for it. And then no. flying on a private jet to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to ask for money. <laughs> uh, oh, this is going to be tough. <laughs> just don't focus think on it, the characters. Just focus on the characters. This is the old Ford. <laughs> this is before they sent all the people away. 
Uh, I do want to thank our Patreon supporters before we move on. Our key grip level, Charlie Messing and Jason Bryant. Our character actor level, uh, Charlie Mess... Or, uh, I'm sorry, Christina Cato, Cousin Jeff, Zach Covemaker, and uh, Josh and Beth Paul. Special effects level, Sarah Morrell and Corey Finneran. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, I hate critics on that slash Patreon is the best way to help support the podcast. And look out for a poll where we can put a couple of sayings that we've said on the podcast that we think are funny and uh, vote on it, and we'll try to get a shirt designed. Yeah, uh, for Willem Dafoe's penis and uh, Batman versus Genius. For sure, those two. <laughs> if we think of other things, too, I know there's some old school camera Diaz shoulder ones, old boy moments, some of those things, too. Uh, we'll throw them all out there, and you pick what you want. And uh, we'll every, I don't know, ninety days or so, or maybe even less than that, maybe forty-five or sixty days, we'll do it again because it's not like it's free. <laughs> I'm thinking like a picture, like a like a picture of Josh with like a, a little thought bubble above his head that's empty for a, <laughs> just and just him kind of looking off into the distance in wonder. Ah. See, I have a funny design for the camera to your shoulder idea. I just would never wear the shirt. It's like that picture from Sex Tape with her in the roller skates and the underwear and the see-through top, but with a censored bar on her shoulder. But <laughs> I think it's a funny image, but I would never wear that in public. <laughs> Plus, I don't know that we can get the rights of Cameron Diaz. <laughs> no, no, but you can do like an outline of that. Right. You can so, do like a dark outline of that. I know, but Jeff, still. get to work. <laughs> Uh yeah, but uh, if you want to be a Patreon supporter, I hate critics done at such Patreon. But we we do own Josh's image, right? <laughs> we can just just put a beard on a guy and say it's Josh. Uh, do you have time for flick? Yeah, I yeah. need to go. Uh, Superman seventy eight Mystic River. Mystic River. That's before Clint Eastwood got old, too old. A pitch black Doctor Doolittle. Pitch black. Agree with you, but it's Doctor Doolittle for me. <laughs> you go, you can ask George if you want. No, I don't. <laughs> Arachnophobia, Spider Man Two, Spider Man Two, the same Raimi one. Remember the Titans, Jackass the movie, <laughs> Jackass the movie for me. I hate Remember the Titans so much. Really? I hate it. I can't stand it. It's oh it just it gets under my skin just how like rah rah irritating it is oh god See, i'd hate it if it had like the love that like shawshank redemption had I yeah just, i'm kind of neither here nor there it's it. it's like this weird like football patriotism inspirational well, stuff that just uh just, uh just turned me off but jackass is always like i don't want to like it but i it really is funny <laughs> now i told the story about the jackass review i wrote for Zoics Online. Maybe, but tell it again. I, I wrote a review of Jackass, uh, one of the Jackass movies for, for Bob, one of the first things I wrote for you. and uh, uh, Basically, it was just, what it, <laughs> you clicked on the link and all it says is, why are you reading a review of Jackass? <laughs> <laughs> that was the entire review. <laughs> That's something Jason would do. <laughs> uh, Zoics Online used to be our website before we did this, and it was run by my, our acquaintance jason tannamore and when i had a little success with reviewing american idol because adam lambert fans were crazy uh he decided oh clickbait stuff 
So he did. He did. He would do like Scarlett Johansson nude leak, leaks, and it kind of took away the fun of everything Sean and I were doing. <laughs> but then he would put something like, "Why are you here? There's no nude leak," you know. And it was, I guess, funny once or right. twice, but then it got old fast, and the website kind of faded away. I mean, it's still there. My other podcast is on it, and that's all that's there. Uh, Gone Baby Gone or the others. That's tough. Those are two really good movies. Two very different movies as well. Uh, uh-huh. Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, it, I think it, the one I would watch last would probably be the one I'd pick. <laughs> the Karate Kid, not the the 2010 one, not the old one, or Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Agreed. Meet the Fockers, Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. I don't I've not seen that, that one. Is. Meet the Fockers or Blue Velvet. Because <laughs> I'm famously not a fan of Blue Velvet. <laughs> uh, but I'm not a fan of the Fockers movie either. I like Meet the Parents, but... Jeez, uh, I don't flip a coin <laughs> for all I know. <laughs> I don't really have an opinion either way on this one. See, I don't mind Meet the Fockers, and I like Blue Velvet okay, but I don't love it either. <laughs> so I don't, we'll just vote. George decides to meet the fuckers. <laughs> and we just have to turn in our set of file cards now. <laughs> I just remember seeing that with my parents. Because my dad does not go to movies, but for whatever reason, it was like a holiday release, and we all went. And he just did not like Dustin Hoffman's character at all. <laughs> and he's like, why is he the good guy? <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Swordfish. Harry Potter. <laughs> You're really going to have George vote on Halle Berry's boobs? No, I'll let you have it. I'm not that bad. <laughs> uh, naked Gun, two and a half, The Smell of Fear, Sideways. Sideways. Correct. We brought that one back in. We, we were talking. We've got to get that one. one in. We've mentioned it here and there, but not even really. We've got to get that movie in. Let's see here. No wine in that movie. (laughs) Uh, Hunger Games, Cool Runnings. Hunger Games. Sure. Super 8, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Super 8. I won't argue. Rear Window, A Bug's Life. Rear Window. Sure. (laughs) Drive or Daredevil? Drive. Jerry Maguire, The Last Witch Hunter. Jerry Maguire. Spider-Man Homecoming, Coyote Ugly. Spider-Man. You know, I did mention uh, that I posted an article to the Facebook page that uh, says that Nicolas Cage is trying to work with uh, Ari Asher. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I, I just last witch hunter reminded me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, it'd probably be. Uh, I kind of would rather he work with like Robert Eggers. If I'm being honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly me. Nicholas Cage's lighthouse would be pretty amazing. <laughs> Point Break ninety one Ocean's Eleven. Man, that shouldn't be that tough because Ocean's Eleven's clearly a better movie because of Soderbergh, but Point Break is Point Break. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like it's like trying to debate with Roadhouse. It's Point Break is like right below Roadhouse, like that that cheesy appeal. Slightly better than Roadhouse. Oh, it's better. Yeah, but Roadhouse is much more fun. Though. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, Ocean's Eleven's better. It's more fun. I'd watch it first, but then Point Break's Point Break. So I, it's Ocean's Eleven for me just because it checks more boxes, but. <laughs> The fact that it is Point Break, <laughs> that's a lot of boxes in one. So I'm, I'll, I'll go Oceans. All right. Election, the big chill. Election. Fuck yeah. the big chill. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's baby boomers talking. They do too much of that. <laughs> Oceans 12, walk the line. Ocean's 12. Yeah, I don't know why I don't like Walk the Line. I don't hate Walk the Line. I just don't love it. I don't yeah, know why. I'm, I'm with you. Half-Baked, Stand By Me. <laughs> I'm supposed to say Stand By Me, but I'm saying Half-Baked. <laughs> I, I was going to give you the pity Stand By Me, like, fine, I'll go with that. <laughs> no, I... True, I do like half baked better. I just the, the scene where he's quitting his job. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck <laughs> you. I love that scene. It comes up a lot in my head. And I love just you know I I'm I like Chappelle. Okay, I'm not the biggest Chappelle fan. I but because there are a lot of big Chappelle fans. <laughs> but the way that when he went and you know took it to the you know the producers and this is what I want to make and they tried to rewrite it and he goes so i'm making a pop movie for kids <laughs> is that what's going on <laughs> and i just always thought that was fun uh speaking of pot movies i've never seen this but super high me or coyote ugly uh super high me uh the expendables man on fire uh, man on fire i guess it's expendable for me because Man on Fire should have been amazing. Yeah. And it just it just makes the wrong choice at the end and kind of becomes a forgettable action movie where Expendable sucks, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but Man on Fire pissed me off, so yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna flip for it. It's expendable. Expendable should have been stupid fun and it wasn't. Yeah, it was just dumb. It was just stupid. Almost unpleasant. Yeah. Iron Man 3, The Last of the Mohicans. Iron Man 3. <laughs> Sounds like the name of the movie. <laughs>